Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter number 5. The book of Genesis, chapter number 5. I need to take a couple of surveys here. Uh, so if you could just help me out by, uh, let me know right away how many of you, you're not raising your hand to vote for anything, no matter what I ask. I just want to, everyone's participating? Oh, my. I never have. All right, great. That's fantastic. So here we go. Here's my survey. Two questions. I know. Ugh, what is he going to ask of us now? It's really simple. It doesn't require a lot of thought. This will come to you immediately. How many of you like to walk, like for exercise or things like that? How many of you are walkers? Oh, that's fantastic. Great, 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 great. Don't forget that about yourself. All right, put your hands up. How many of you, you don't really walk, but you've thought about walking? You're using the think system. That's great, too. That's fantastic. All right, great. I, yeah, it's the think system. It's from the old musical, The Music Man. You don't actually learn to play the notes. You just think the music, and suddenly a disaster comes up, but he convinces them it's great. So walkers, maybe you haven't really thought about Maybe you're just thinking about walking, and you're hoping you're going to lose weight by... Something I don't have that doesn't come to me. I'm a guy who can talk you into eating donut holes because there's no calories. I, I haven't come up with how you lose weight by thinking about walking. Give me a little bit. I'll come up with it. All right, there we are in Genesis chapter number 5. In Genesis chapter number 5, it begins rather simply and then moves to, uh, I got to tell you as a kid, my dad used to, um, the real pastor Coates used to tell me, used to tell all of us in church that we should read through the Bible every year. And this sounded like a great idea. So I would, here I am, I'm 10 years old and I'm thinking, I can do this. It's only a few pages. And I'd start with Genesis 1 and that was pretty exciting. Genesis 2, not too bad. Genesis 3, Genesis 4, all right. I never made it beyond Genesis 5. I'd get to Genesis 5 and I'd start reading in the first three verses. Everything would be great. I'd get to about verse number 7 and I would fall asleep. Now, don't be too hard on me. First of all, remember how old I was. And secondly, realize that you don't like those verses either. They're really difficult. Who knows how to pronounce the names? No one. I've heard Hebrew scholars, I'm telling you, they all pronounce them differently and they all sound like they know exactly what they're saying. <laughs> That's the secret of it, by the way. Dan, if you ever have to read these names here in Genesis 5, you don't have to know how to read them. Just make sure that they think you know how to read them and you are, you are well ahead. And then you'll, there they are, list of names. Nothing earth-shattering about the names, necessarily. Until you get down a few verses and you discover something completely amazing. But before we get there, let's return to a few other questions. A lot of people live their life based on the question, how can I get pleasure? What can I do that pleases me? Now, don't be too hard on those people. After all, you probably do that a little also. That's the reason I eat brownies. I'm a notorious junk food junkie. I would go into the office as a new pastor. I went into the office eating breakfast, Pringles, and Pepsi. Now, wait a minute. Before you pick on the Pepsi, Pepsi is just a caffeinated, is just a carbonated form of caffeine. I just take your coffee, change the flavor, which is really a good thing. Change the flavor, add carbonate, carbonated syrup to it, and then I, and there's my Pepsi. Now the potato chips, it's not too bad. You know, if you went to Perkins, they'd feed you breakfast potatoes, right? I just put them in a little different form and had Pringles.
My mom would get mad at me if I ate cake for breakfast, but then she would serve me coffee cake. And I guess by adding the word coffee, suddenly it changed the breakfast food. It still had, it still had some sort of glazing on it for frosting. It still was mostly sugar and flour-based. But by simply changing the name, I made it a breakfast food. That's the way it seems to go. So I'm a notorious junk food junkie. doesn't really bother me I, that people know that or think that about me. So I eat brownies and ice cream. And I do that because I like it. Well, I don't like Brussels sprouts, so guess how much I eat those? Never. I don't like tuna. tuna. Tuna is not meant to be put into a can. If tuna were meant to be put into a can, God would have done that himself. But because he didn't do that himself, it wasn't meant to be served that way. I don't like tuna. I don't eat tuna. I don't even force myself to like tuna. I know, parents, cover your kids' ears. Tracy, just go ahead. Don't let him hear this. He'll go home and he'll have... You won't feed him lunch at all. He'll have excuses why he should just eat 14 donuts. I'm sorry about that, parents, but this is just... Stick with me for a moment, all right? I do all those things because that's what I like. You do the same thing. You eat pretty much what you like. You know that you ought to eat a few other foods, but you just cannot possibly stomach them, so you don't eat them at all. We all do that. Now, when we take that and we put that idea, that question on steroids... We go shopping and justify a $400 purse. Well, it lasts longer. I went into the coach store one time at Bayshore where I happened to walk. They charged me a cover charge. When they found... Just kidding. When they, <laughs> but when they found out I was just looking, they all immediately stopped talking to me. I guess they work on commission. We justify, if you have a coach purse, not preaching against it, I'm using you as an example this morning with, without doing it by name. We do these things. Why? It's okay. Nothing wrong with doing a few things that please yourself. That's kind of built into who we are as people. So we do that. But if that's the only question you ever ask yourself, you really have problems. If that's the only question you ask yourself and you manage to make a lot of money in life, you're the person who has the 45-foot yacht out on Lake Michigan. Now, I suppose there's nothing really wrong with that, except if you had gone with the 35,000-foot yacht and given the rest to missions, think of what you could have done. And so I just, just want to point out to you that a lot of people live their lives that way based entirely on the question of how can I please myself? How can I get pleasure? What can I do that I will really like and will really make me happy? And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, except as you get a little older, you begin to discover it's kind of shallow, a little bit hollow. So you add to that. It's no longer about what will make me happy. Now it's about what will make other people happy and me happy. That's why I go to fireworks. I like fireworks. Fireworks are okay. The closer you are to the actual place where they shoot off fireworks, the better off I like it. I want to hear and feel and see the fireworks, not just see, usually. So this week, there's a number of opportunities to see fireworks. I'll be at all of them. Not all at the same time, okay? I don't mean that. But we, as we by we, I mean my, my oldest daughter and I, Brittany and I, make it our point to get to as many fireworks displays as we can in the summer. One summer, we got to 13, now, to get to 13, we had to count when the Brewers won a game and shot off fireworks and we saw it. We counted that. That counts, right? That's, that's okay, isn't it? Sure, that's okay. All right. But that one has a little bit more integrity than another one. We counted a, a neighbor shot off a couple illegally, and we saw those. 
and they were about three, and they, you know, the, just the one color things, they shoot off about four different directions, and that's it. We counted that too, but the rest of them were really legitimate. We go to a lot of fireworks displays. We do that. Uh, we do that because one day, a number of years ago, she had asked me if we could go see fireworks that evening, and I had told her yes. Well, it just so happened that that day was a turning point in her life. And from the time that I told her, yes, we can go to fireworks, until the time that fireworks actually began, a whole lot of really bad and disastrous things happened. And when we got done dealing with all of those, well, beginning to deal with all of those things, we came to the end of the day, and she looked at me and said, Dad, can we still go to fireworks? And I knew right then that going to fireworks was not going to be just about the actual fireworks. This was about something far more. This is about me affirming her as a person. Me letting her know that I still love her. Me letting her know that in spite of everything that, it, that we had dealt with that day and things that we would continue to deal with for years after that, that came up that day. And I'm not going to tell you her story. She can do that in her own time. However, she's told me I can share any of it I want. I'm going to stop about right there. I knew that it was about more than that. So life became for me more than just how can I please myself. It became how can I please myself and those around me. So we go to fireworks. We buy a Pepsi, Dr. Pepper in her case, she lives in the south, she thinks, in Kansas. We buy Pepsi and Cheetos and um, what, did you think we were going to eat cucumbers and, and dip? No, <laughs> we... We, we buy Pepsi or soda or something and a bag of Cheetos and we go and we watch fireworks as we did this past week. And it's not really about the fireworks anymore. It's more for me, at least. It's, me about, it's about me affirming her. And I knew that it was really, really important to her and understood how special it was this last year when she was a freshman in college in Kansas. And I saw on her Facebook wall, I just want some of you to absorb that, that one of your pastors spends a lot of time on Facebook. Okay, I'll move on now that you've absorbed that. Uh, I saw on her Facebook wall one day, Brittany Coates is looking for, this is like in March, Brittany Coates is looking forward to fireworks with her dad. That's when I knew that I had really touched on something for her, and that life had become about something more than just how could I please me. It was also how can I please others around me. And that's all well and good. But you know that really stops short. Look down at Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, and I believe that we are looking at verse number 25, but we're going to back up just a little bit from there. Verse number, um, let's start with verse number 18. When Jared, I'm certain that's not how you pronounce his name, when Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 862 years, and then he died. I'll pause momentarily to say that if you really want to dig into Bible studies and have done that, you know that there's some dispute about years and whether or not they're actual years. Uh, that's for people who are smarter than I am. Verse number 21. When Enoch had, died, had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. 
And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. It's the only time throughout this entire list of names, just genealogies, this person had this person, lived this long, and then they died. That's the way they all read until you get to Enoch. And Enoch reads differently than all of the rest of them. When you get to Enoch, it says that Enoch lived and walked with God for 300 years, and he had sons and daughters, a lot of them it would seem, and altogether Enoch lived 365 years. He walked with God, and then he was no more, because God took him away. And then immediately we leave Enoch and we go on, and we don't read about him again until we get to the book of Hebrews. And then we only read about Enoch for two or three verses. And we don't read about him again until we get to that little small book of Jude. And then we read about him for two whole verses. And that's all we seem to know about him. Which adds to the mystery. And that mystery caused in the New Testament times people to speculate on a lot of things about Enoch. I'm going to stick with what we do know about Enoch, which is about what we have right here. That Enoch walked with God. That according to Hebrews 11, if you'd like you could turn there, Hebrews 11, verse number 5. Hebrews 11, verse number 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. Now, the author here in Hebrews is kind of making a little bit of this up. Of sorts, but not entirely. By making it up, I don't mean this is all fiction. I mean that he is, he is using some logic here to come to a few things about Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. We know all of that. For for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And then verse number 6, verse you may be aware of, kind of builds off the logic of verse number 5. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Kind of saying he must have been a person of faith because we know he pleased God. And you can't please God unless you are a person of faith. Therefore, Enoch must have been a person of faith. And there's where we get the, he's building on this with a bit of logic to tell us that not only did he walk with God, he pleased God. Which leads me to a third question. Not just the first question of how can I please myself, brownies and ice cream. Not just the second question of how can I please others, fireworks with my daughter. But the third question, perhaps the most important question of all of them. How can I please God? Now, if you never get to that question in life, you always have a bit of a problem. You never seem to make a lot of progress spiritually because you're always stuck in the spiritual aspect, pleasing myself or pleasing other people, and never stopping to ask, is what I'm doing for God really pleasing God? Is what I'm doing in life really pleasing God? Are these things just things or is this something that really pleases God? Is this something that gives God pleasure or am I just doing this for myself? And we know this about pleasing God. We know that walking with God seems to please God because Enoch pleased God and Enoch walked with God. So I need again my walkers. I need to know who you are. How many of you walk? Good, 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 good. I'm going to, you get a sentence, okay? And all I want to know is, One sentence about your walking. Where you walk, who you walk with, anything like that. You get one sentence. After one sentence, I'm taking my microphone back. All right? One sentence about your walking. I walk when I'm on vacation. (laughs) Walk when you're on vacation. Good. Uh, So I hand here, you walk? On the treadmill. On the treadmill. That's kind of walking. Walking on a treadmill is like golfing for me. (laughs) Or fishing. 
<laughs> uh, there are more hands of it. Walkers. Walk good. good. I walk with the dog. Walk with the dog. That's a good way to walk. More people in life should walk with a dog, shouldn't they, Benjamin? Uh, walkers over here, you walk. I'm a fast walker. You are a fast walker. What does that mean? Walk fast. Does that mean you like, does that mean power walk or you just normally walk fast? Well, I'm a more normally fast walker, but when I go for exercise, I power walk. Is this a landscape thing? No. <laughs> I worked for a landscaper for a few years. Your dad's a, yeah, he's a landscaper. And this guy, when he walked, he could make it from here to there in less than a second. He just took off, and he's way off in the middle of a field somewhere, and I'm like 100 yards behind him, and I'm trying to catch up, and then when I catch up, he says, Bruce, when you walk, walk with purpose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, whatever that means. Walkers, over here there was someone. I walk with my husband and my dogs every day. Yep, walk with the dog outside the neighborhood. Walk with the, more, well, a couple more. Here we go. I walk up on the bluff. It's so beautiful uh, walking around the bluff. You're my kind of person. I like to walk places that are good looking. Back here, walkers. Yeah, but back here we don't raise our hands for much, so we, okay, here we go. I walk to try to keep up with my kids. <laughs> I walk to see the turkeys and the deer and all Mother Nature provides. I do that too, but I live in Glendale. Uh, I walk to the post office at lunch every day. 1.2 miles. Doesn't he look like he's been walking? John Love is really trimming down. If you are one who walks night and catch you, I'm, we'll, we're going to move on here. I need a few people who do walk to be... Um, I need a few people who will help me out a little bit. You can help me out. Okay, great. You walk fast, right? All right, good. Come on and stand right up here. Um, there was someone who said they kind of strolled along. That would be great. Uh, do I have other volunteers who will help me? Because otherwise, I can just volunteer. Bev is wonderful. Bev, could you help me for a moment, please? It won't. It will be painless. I promise. Okay. Then there was somebody who raised their hand and said, "I've thought about walking." Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Come on up. Come on up, Mr. Wasaki. Yes, yes. Come on up. Come on up. Great. Because I need you too. I know, I know. Have you noticed? Have you noticed how much of life is about walking? I mean, you can't even get up to you can't even get up to get a decent bag of Cheetos if you don't walk. All right, here's what I want. All right, I want you to think about walking. I'm thinking. Good. I want you to actually walk. Okay. How about this section right here? Can you do five of them? How long do you think that's going to take? I don't know. Good. So good today. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How about just a little bit? A stroll in a beautiful place in the sanctuary. Okay. Could you do that for me? Mm -hmm. All right. All right. You guys can start doing what you're going to do. You, all, see, all you have to do is stand here, right? Go ahead. That's fine. Strolling. You can stroll in a beautiful place in the sanctuary. And a really slow walker because Enoch walked with God. Some of us, some of us only think about walking with God. That's different altogether. See, I didn't choose you because you just think about walking with God. I've been watching you. You do a lot more than think about it. But some people only think about walking with God. They think they are walking with God because they're thinking about walking with God. But there's an enormous difference. Walking always implies action, doesn't it? Absolutely. So if you were going to walk, 
you would have to actually do the action of walking, right? So when it says that Enoch walked with God, we know this. He wasn't passive. He actually did something. His faith wasn't faith where he just thought about something or where he said, yeah, I kind of give mental assent. I agree with that. That's not really faith. Faith requires that you actually do... S wow. You do walk fast. Some people walk with God that way. And I think walking is a reflection of who we are. Walking with God is a reflection. Did you do five? Mm -hmm. You're not even sweating, huffing, puffing, anything like that. It's just walking after all. I didn't tell you to sprint, right? Thank you. This is very kind of you. Thank you. I don't know. You're still thinking about walking? You could do that back there, though, can't you? You'd be more comfortable sitting on those chairs thinking about walking. Oh, there, Bev is strolling along. You know, I'm convinced that some people, when they walk with God, thank you, Bev, that's wonderful. Absolutely. Some people, when they walk with God, they've got purpose and a plan. They're the people who are structured about their walk with God. They know exactly what they're going to do, when they're getting up, what they're reading that day. They can read through the Bible in a year. It's not difficult for them. Really hard for me. Not difficult for them because they are structured. They know where they're going. That's kind of their personality. That's who they are. Other people are more strollers. They're out for a stroll. They don't always know where they're going. They know when they get there, kind of, sort of, but maybe not. And they just kind of wander when they walk. Now, I walk in a number of different places when I walk. One of those is Bayshore Mall because we live about three miles from there, and it's a nice place to walk. I particularly like it in winter. I like it when the snow is on the ground at Bayshore. I like the lights and everything. It's just a nice experience. My wife hates it. I love it. I take a kid with me, usually volunteer, a volunteer. Sometimes if I volunteer them, they think that we're going because I have to lecture them. There is a little truth to that, isn't there, Rachel? That's kind of walking. Sometimes I like to walk in Doctors Park, which is in Fox Point. It's also right on the lake. I like to walk there because I get options and I can kind of go where I want, when I want, how I want. Now, walking with God is somewhat similar to these ways of walking. I know this about Enoch. When Enoch walked with God, he didn't just think about it. He actually did something, as I've pointed out to you, because walking with God is a walk of obedience. And obedience always requires that you do something. You and parents know very well that your child is not obeyed if they've just thought about it. Thinking about cleaning your room is not actually cleaning your room. I'm going to, I'm going to say this again, and parents, that you could like anonymously say amen. And older parents, help out the younger parents whose kids might be in here because younger parents don't want to rub it into their kids. So help them out a little bit, okay? Thinking about cleaning your room is not actually cleaning your room. Amen. There we go. We know that. You have not actually done it until you've done it. Thinking about it doesn't get it. Thinking about obeying God is not the same as actually walking with God. A walk of obedience is the actual walking with God. And therefore, we know that Enoch walked in obedience because the Bible tells us that. The book of Jude tells us that he was obedient in what he did. He was faithful to tell the words that God had him to say. And a walk of obedience is being faithful to God. And it is one of the only ways that you can please God to learn to walk in obedience. Walking in obedience happens for some of us in the midst of disobedience all around us. You are in good company. If you still are, have your Bible open to Genesis chapter four, 5, look at Genesis chapter number 4. I 
I'm sorry, for this one, look at uh, Genesis chapter number 6. Verse number 1. When man began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, sons of God and the daughters of men, and i got to move off on that or you'll want an explanation. Verse number 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. In other words, they lived with the question of how can I please myself? And in the middle of that time, when people were all around them asking the question, how can I walk so I can please myself? Enoch walked in obedience and when there was disobedience all around him. In the middle of a school where nobody lived for God, Enoch would have been the guy who figured out how to live for God. In the middle of a workplace where everybody liked to drink a lot and swear a lot and those kinds of things. Enoch would have found a way to be true to God and to walk with God. In an industry where everyone was cutting corners, Enoch would have been the guy who found a way to make money without cutting the corners. He would have found a way to be true to God, to walk with God, walking in obedience after what God had for him and still managed to please God. That's who Enoch was. It's a walk of obedience. Walking in obedience is a way to please God. It is how He pleases God. When you bring pleasure to God, you walk in complete obedience to what God wants. And so I would ask you this morning, are, are you bringing pleasure to God with how you obey Him? I think it's a really good question for us to ask ourselves. My level of obedience, does it please God? Am I giving God pleasure by how I obey Him? Now let's just for a moment assume that the answer to that question is no. The good news for you is that you could make today the day in which you turn that around and change and say, I'm going to begin to walk in obedience. But there's just as much of a chance, I suppose, that the answer to that question is yes. What does that mean? Well, you know, just let me pause here for a moment and say that life is not always dreary. The answer is not always no. You may look inside of yourself and discover, yeah, I'm doing pretty good with that. In which case, know this about yourself. You are giving tremendous pleasure to God. You are the person who walks with your spouse, not because you really like to walk, but because they like to walk. And that's the kind of walk that you have with God. You are obeying God, doing what He wants you to do. And that's fantastic. You are bringing great pleasure to God. And if you're not so much, today would be a perfect day for you to say, you know, I think I can turn that around. I can do something different with that. With God's help, I will. With God's help, I will begin to walk a life of obedience. I will begin to do the things He wants. And by doing that, I will please God and bring pleasure to God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 6, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, to will and to act according to His good purpose, to bring about pleasure to God. You must work these things out and walk the way that He wants you to walk. That means giving things up and doing things that God wants you to do. And for the sake of time, I'll not be very specific about that. I'll allow you to work that out with God. Walking in, walking in faith pleases God also. We get that from Hebrews, that Enoch was a person of faith. In a faithless time, when nobody seemed to have faith, Enoch walked with God. 
Enoch, there's some interesting things about Enoch, a bit of Enoch trivia. Enoch technically outlived his son because Enoch was taken to heaven and never died, yet his son is said to be the person who lived the longest ever. He lived 969 years, Methuselah. If you are one who works out the math, you feel free to do this. It's a fascinating way to spend a Sunday afternoon when you can't go outside. Feel free to work it out, or you can probably find it on the internet somewhere, somebody else who has done it. You will discover that Enoch died at age 960, I'm sorry, Methuselah died at age 969, which corresponds to the year of the flood. Enoch's son never caught it. He is a part of the group that talks about in Genesis 6, where wickedness reigned. He must be. He died in the flood. Now, Methuselah's son Lamech lived 777 years, give or take. He did not die in the flood. He died before the flood. Maybe he caught on. But I know this about, I know this about Enoch's great-grandson. He really got it. The son, not so much. The grandson, maybe. We don't really know. But about the son, his name, his, the great-grandson, his name was Noah. And Noah discovered that he had to walk a life of faith and forge that walk on his own. Never forget the day I discovered I had to forge a life of walking with God on my own. I was four. Okay, so never forget. I kind of remember. But when you're four, kind of remembering is the same as saying I'll never forget, isn't it? I was four. We were playing church, me and my older sisters. They were 19 months older than me. They were five. We had all of our dolls lined up. What else do pastor's kids do, honestly, okay? And we lived in an industrial area, and so we, long story short, we didn't have much else in life, so we played church. And I, being the guy, because preachers are always guys, at least they were in 1972, it seemed, uh, to a four-year-old, I was designated as the preacher, and so when we played church, I did that. And somehow that day, the three of us, my two older sisters, I was certain they needed to get saved. I preached hard. That's just a little humor. Little, but a little. I preached hard, and the three of us decided that day that mom and dad going to heaven with their walk with God would not be the same as us. And that we would need to have our own walk with God. And so that very day in December of 1972, the three of us knelt to pray somewhere in that apartment and asked Jesus to come into our hearts and ran and found my dad, who was in another place in the building, and told him. And he told mom, who wrote it down, and, gave, and then get, Gave it back to us the exact date, which I just, she has the exact, exact date. I know it's in December 1972. And I remember being there. And I remember praying. And I know that that day I discovered I needed my own walk with God. I remember when Brittany discovered, my oldest, that she needed her own walk with God. She was a little bit younger than that. She sat in her bedroom late at night one night and prayed. Came out and told her mom that she had asked Jesus to come into her heart. Remember when Rachel decided she needed her own walk with God? She wasn't much older than two, about three or four. Some kids do everything early. Rachel was talking before she was one, believe it or not. <laughs> Younger brother was, I believe, six when he discovered I need to have my own walk with God. 
My mom discovered that when she was five. Her older brother was six and older sister was seven. And they all three knelt that evening at a church service when her dad was preaching and asked Jesus to come into their life. Four people got saved that night. One man who was 65 years old and the three of them. That was a really good night for my grandpa. The youngest of those, my mother, would go on to marry a pastor. The second of those, Uncle Dwayne, is coming back from the mission field and retiring at age 72 in, the, in a few months. The oldest of those, Aunt Virginia, died on her way to becoming a missionary and traveling to raise money when she was 30 years old. That's always a pretty good night of learning. I need to walk with God myself. Walking in faith happens when you discover, I need to have my own walk with God. But I'm a Catholic. That's fantastic. But that does not necessarily mean that you're walking with God. Doesn't mean you're not, but it doesn't necessarily mean you are. Oh, Bruce, I've been Pentecostal for four generations. Me too. I still needed my own walk with God. As do you. How much do you bring pleasure with God to God? If you are walking in faith, hey, you really bring pleasure to God. Walking in obedience, you're bringing pleasure to God. Be encouraged. He looks down and he smiles. And he is very, very happy. Perhaps, perhaps you also have recognized the need to walk in communion. What else could walking mean if it does not mean that he was communing with God when he was going about life? What else could the metaphor of walking with God possibly mean other than Enoch spent a lot of time talking with God and God talked back to him? In a time when many other people walked with other things, Enoch walked with God in communion. In a time when other people were living for other things, Enoch was spending his time talking to God. So walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, it says in Colossians chapter 1. Doing those things which cause you to have a communion, a relationship, a conversation with God. Specific times, specific places, or here and there, now and then, whatever works in your life and how you've worked that out. I am telling you, though, that walking with God happens when we walk in a relationship of communion where we talk to God and He talks back to us. And we have a fantastic relationship. That is walking with God. And that brings pleasure to God. How much do you bring pleasure to God in your walking with Him? I think I was about 13 when I figured out that there was a need for something more in my life in communion and conversation with God. I'm not saying that I did it at 13 very well. Church kids don't tend to do that. But around that age, they need to figure out, oh, that's something I really need to do. As they move from understanding the stories and understanding what the scripture says to applying that to how they live their lives seems to happen in those formative years of 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. But by the time they're 14, they need to have caught that. That's why our design in our church is the way that it is. So that by the time that they have reached that age, they have learned that they need to have their own walk with God, their own conversation with Him, their own sense of communion. All right, walkers, how many of you walk with another person? All right, good. How many of you who walk with another person, it's your rule, we do not talk at all? Well, that many. How many of you, it's your rule, we're going to talk some? How many of you don't have a rule at all, but you find that you talk a lot? Isn't that kind of what walking is when you walk with another person? You talk about this and that. 
So those of you who are wondering, so what would I talk about when I talk to God? This and that. God is as interested in those things. Tell him about the big things, but talk through some of the smaller things with God as well. Because walking with God is about having that communion. Walking with God is about, about communing with Him, even when other people seem to be doing something else and walking with God. According to Jude, verse number one, uh, chapter 1, verse number 13 and 14, Enoch faithfully prophesied. He walked in faithful communication to other people. Such prophecy was lost on his son, perhaps his grandson, but his great-grandson, he didn't miss it at all. He had faith too, he had obedience also, and he faithfully preached according to 1 Peter chapter 3. They both understood that part of walking with God was being faithful in what you told other people about God. Don't let the term prophecy there scare you off thinking, oh, that's for the super spiritual, it's not for me. What it tends to mean and what it would mean in this case is that they simply were faithful to speak for God. And that happens to all sorts of people in all sorts of places when the conversation comes up. Conversation about God, that they are faithful to say what God has for them to say. Not overbearing, not feeling the need to turn everyone into acting like a Christian without actually becoming one. By insisting and enforcing moral codes. But people who are faithful to say, here is God, here is who he is, and here is what he has done for me. That pleases God. When I was a teenager growing up, as I've alluded to, I grew up going to church. And in that era, the in thing to do, and it has stuck with us, was to challenge teenagers to witness to their friends. And I had a youth pastor I heard speak a bunch of times, and he seemed to be able to find that idea everywhere in the Bible. And he could turn anything into an idea. That, you, you name the topic, and he could find a way to work it in. And after a while, I started to think, yeah, that's just a little bit hokey. And I got a little bit older and I started to do the study and I discovered, well, you know, if he had studied it a little bit more, he could have proven to me that it really was all over the New Testament. Every book of the New Testament seems to tell us something about our faithful communication of who God is. Not, not that all of us need to become street evangelists, and that's good news to me. I am the world's worst door-to-door street witness person the world's worst. I have knocked on, I, this is, I'm not exaggerating, I have delivered literature to at least 30,000 homes in my lifetime. I have knocked on bunches and bunches of doors to talk to people of, about God. And in all of that, I have led exactly zero people to Christ. I have gone out and stood on street corners and tried to witness. I have zero success with it. Then I send out other people and they come back with great stories and I scratch my head and say, how do they do that? And then they invite those people to an evening crusade and I'm the one who's asked to speak at the evening crusade and I speak and then I give, a, uh, I give a, a, an opportunity at the end for people to come to Christ and they do that. That's not my gift to go out and do, and, and do door to door. Certainly not. Don't feel guilty if it isn't who you are. My dad could walk into a grocery store and come out knowing three people he didn't know when he went in. 
I can go into a grocery store and, Lord willing, I can walk out and not speak to a, certain, a single person in the whole grocery store. I do the self-checkout. I really like that. <laughs> For years, I felt guilty about it. It's not who a pastor is supposed to be. Then I decided that the real Pastor Coates was Pastor Coates, and I was just Pastor Bruce, and, and we were different people, and that was okay. And that he was created to tell people about God in a specific way, and I was created to do it in a different way. But what is important in there is that you discover your method of faithfully communicating to other people about who God is because it pleases God. You can participate with other people who do that. Lord knows that when you put on a big production, you need a lot of behind-the-scenes people. The person who puts on makeup for an Easter production is as important as the actor who walks on stage and says the lines. They all play a part in being faithful in doing that. And while I stretch it a little bit, because Enoch was never in that kind of production, I do know this. Enoch was faithful to tell those around him that he was walking with God and that they needed to walk with God. And whether they caught it or missed it, he was still faithful to do that. And it pleased God. How much do you bring pleasure to God? Perhaps you do that faithfully and God's really pleased. Maybe you need to change that a little bit. Maybe in obedience or faith... You really do that well and you really bring pleasure to God and maybe you're not doing it quite so well. Maybe when it comes to communion with God, you really know that you, you're a slacker. That you sit on the couch and think about prayer. Well, it's a start. You have seen yourself, no doubt, somewhere in this story. Whether as one who's walking with God or trying to and therefore pleasing God or one who really is not doing that at all, you no doubt have seen yourself this morning. And the Spirit of God is at this very moment showing you where you belong in that story. And that's a really good thing. As we come to the concluding moments of the sermon, I hope that the Spirit of God would ask right along with you, would ask you to check up how you're doing and would help you look down deep into your heart and discover how you are bringing pleasure to God or if you are at all.